Okie dokie. I am the Reaper 33, and welcome back to the final part of Into the Pit, aka story number three. Count the ways. We will do all the end stories in a separate part, so we're gonna just do all the end stories as their own book, because that's basically kind of what they are. They connect a bunch of the stories too. So, unless of course you want to read the end stories during this book or not. Up to you. <laughs> okay then. That's fine, I guess. So, count the ways. We're gonna meet um, Funtime Freddy and a goth girl. This is gonna go great. Oh, just so you know, Sarah was 14. That is her canonical age in the story last time. I forgot to mention that. But you're probably gonna end up hearing this episode like, I don't know, three weeks? No, two weeks after the other two episodes. So, yeah, it's probably already too late for that. Anywho. <laughs> You ready? Mm. Ready to count the ways? Do you know your Spanish numbers? Oh no. Dos. <laughs> I counted to three. <laughs> Good job. Uh, so the, this story begins off. Why, if it isn't Millie Fitzsimmons. Oh my god. <laughs> A deep, booming voice said. Oh, I'm gonna have to do this one. Why if it isn't Millie Fitzsimmons? Why if it isn't Millie Fitzsimmons? Why isn't it Millie Fitzsimmons? Oh, why is it Millie Fitzsimmons? In the darkness, it was hard to tell exactly where it was coming from, but it felt like it was all around her. Silly Millie. Chilly Millie. The ice cold goth girl who is always dreaming of death. Am I right? Oh, it's this one. Who are you? Millie demanded. Where are you? Above her, a large pair of terrifying blue eyes rolled backward, looking down into the chamber. I'm right here, silly Millie. Or maybe, I should say, you're right here. You're inside my belly. <gasps> In the belly of the beast, I guess you could say. So, you're you're the bear? Millie wondered if she had fallen asleep after she climbed inside the old robot. If she was dreaming. Why did you climb inside? <laughs> this you is all what? too weird. You know what? <laughs> you can just think of me as a friend. Your friend till the end, and we have to just decide if the end is going to be slow or quick. I, I, I don't understand. The space was starting to feel claustrophobic. She tried the door. It wouldn't budge. You'll understand very soon, Chilly Millie. You goth girls crack me up. All dressed like professional mourners, so serious all the time. Daydreaming about death like he's the lead singer of some boy band. And that when you meet him, it'll be love at first sight. Well, Merry Christmas, Millie. I'm going to make your dreams come true. Oh dear, go back. It's not a question not of like this. But how? What was happening? She was definitely awake. Had she lost her mind? Descendant to madness like a character in an Edgar Allan Poe story? Mm -hmm. I, I like to get out now. She said, <laughs> I want to leave now. <laughs> Nonsense! The voice said. You're going to stay in here. All cozy. While we work out how you're going to have your dream date with death, the choice is yours. But it would be my pleasure to present you with some options. Oh no. Options of how to die? Millie felt the cold metallic taste of fear in the back of her throat. Fantasies about death were one thing, but this felt like reality. Snap back to reality. <laughs> and that was the beginning of the story. This is going to go great. Wonderful. <laughs> Millie, what a stupid name. She was named after her great-grandmother. Melissant Fitzsimmons, but <laughs> Millie wasn't the kind of name you saddled a person with. A cat or a dog, maybe, but not an actual human. I've never heard of, of an animal named Millie. <laughs> uh, hell of a boss. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I was thinking of, bro. Uh, Millie's black cat was named Annabelle Lee, after the beautiful dead girl in Edgar Allan Poe story. Which meant that Millie's cat officially had a better name than she did. But, Millie thought, it made sense that her parents would come up with such a ridiculous name. She loved them, but they were ridiculous people in a lot of ways. Flighty and impractical, you know, the kind of people who would never think about how hard elementary school would be for a little girl whose name rhymed with silly. Her parents flitted from job to job, from hobby to hobby, and now it seemed from country to country. Over the summer, Millie's dad had been offered a one-year teaching job in Saudi Arabia. Her mom and dad had given her a choice. She could go with them. It'll be an adventure, her mom kept saying, and be homeschooled, or... She can move on for Kooky Grandpa for the year and start at the local high school. Talk about a lose-lose situation. 
<laughs> After lots of crying and raging and sulking, Millie had finally chosen the kooky grandpa option over being stranded in a foreign country with her well-meaning but unreliable parents. And so now Millie was here in the strange little room in Grandpa's big, strange Victorian house. She had to admit, the idea of living in an old, sprawling 150-year-old house where surely someone had to have died at some point suited her well enough. The only problem was that it was filled to the brim of Grandpa's junk. Millie's grandpa was a collector. Lots of people have collections, of course, comic books or gaming cards or action figures. Haha, <laughs> gaming cards. Oh my god. But Grandpa didn't collect a specific type of thing. So much as accumulate a lot of different things. He was definitely a collector, but a collector of what? Millie wasn't sure. It all seemed random. Looking around the living room, she could see old license plates and hubcaps hanging on one wall. Old baseball bats and tennis rackets on another. A life-size suit of armor stood guard at one side <laughs> at the front door. With a mangy-looking taxidermy bobcat stood at the other side. Master Chief, what are you doing on that wall? <laughs> Sir, you're in camera. <laughs> <laughs> one glass case in the living room contained nothing but old porcelain dolls with tiny teeth and staring glass eyes. They were creepy, and Millie tried to stay away from them. Though, they still showed up sometimes in her nightmares, with those little teeth chomping at her. Her new bedroom had been her grandma's sewing room, and it still contained the old sewing machine, even though her grandma had died before. Oh, we're switching spots now? Okay. Wonderful. <laughs> Speaks, just to make sure the audio can still pick you up. Yo! Okay. <laughs> just boomed all over. <laughs> you are still receivable. Master Chief, I'm still receivable. <laughs> Soup's on, Grandpa called from the bottom. Oh, we have to give him voice. Soup's on! <laughs> I'll be there in a minute, Millie yelled. Not really caring whether she ate dinner or not, she dragged herself off the bed and made her way downstairs slowly, trying not to bump into or trip over any of the clutter that seemed to fill every square inch of space in the house. So, there's a lot of relics, antique swords, and stuff in the dining room, too, as a normal person should have. <laughs> uh, Grandpa is every bit as weird as his collections. Dinner is served, madam, Grandpa oh said, God. setting a bowl of mashed potatoes on the table. <laughs> <laughs> Millie sat at her place at the table and surveyed the visually disgusting meal. Mushy-looking meatloaf, instant mashed potatoes, and cream spinach that she knew had been packaged and frozen in a solid block until he zapped it in the microwave. It was a meal you could eat even if you didn't have teeth, which Millie supposed went with the territory of having an old person cook for you. Millie loaded her plate with mashed potatoes, since they were the only edible thing on the table. I heard Saudi Arabian food's pretty good, maybe you chose wrong. <laughs> I think you'll definitely have chosen wrong by the end of the story. <laughs> now, make sure you got some meatloaf and spinach too, Grandpa said, passing her the bowl of greens. You need the iron. You always look so pale. I like being pale. Millie wore a sheer light powder to make her face look even paler in contrast to the black eyeliner and black clothing that she favored. Well, Grandpa said, helping himself to the meatloaf, I'm glad you don't bake yourself in the sun like your mother did when she was your age. Still, you could use a little color in your cheeks. You know, I don't eat meat, Grandpa. Meat was gruesome. And also, murder. Eat some spinach, then, Grandpa said, spooning some onto her plate. Plenty of iron in it. You know, back when I learned to do a little bit of cooking, I can manage. It was all about the meatloaf, meatloaf, steaks, roast beef, pork chops. But if you'll help me find some vegetarian recipes, or should I try to cook them, it would probably be better for my health to eat less meat anyways. Millie sighed and pushed the spinach around on her plate. Don't bother, doesn't really matter whether I eat or not. Grandpa set down the fork. I think it might be. <laughs> of course it matters. Everybody's got to eat. Oh my god, you got to eat. <laughs> he shook his head. There's no pleasing you, is there, girly? I'm trying to be girly. nice. Everything I want you like. I want you to be happy here. Millie pushed her plate away. It's a waste of energy to try and make me happy. I'm not a happy person. And you know what? I'm glad I'm not happy. Happy people are just lying to My themselves. personality sadness. <laughs> <laughs> well, if there's nothing in store for you but misery, I guess you might as well go get started on your homework. Oh, <laughs> Was on a roll. <laughs> Millie rolled her eyes and flounced out of the room. Homework was misery. School was misery. Her whole life was misery. In her miserable room, Millie opened her laptop and started up famous poems about death. She reread her old favorites Annabelle Lee, 
the calf. The name, same name, who was curled up on her bed. The Raven by Poe. Then tried one that she'd never seen before by Emily Dickinson. The poem talked about death as a guy picking a, up a girl for a date. A date with death. The thought made Millie lightheaded. She thought of death as a handsome, black hope stranger, choosing her as the one he would take away from the boredom and misery of everyday life. She imagined she looked just like Kirk Carrion. Inspired, she grabbed her black leather journal and began to write. Oh, death, show me your ravaged face. Oh, death, how I long for your chilly embrace. Oh, death, my life is such a misery that only you can set me free. Well, the story's going great. <laughs> Well, you ask and you shall now receive. receive. <laughs> you ask and you shall receive. Just press X to stop the breathing. <laughs> press X to stop the breathing. <laughs> That's a quote now. Oh my god. Uh, so, she eventually gets back to her homework, and then eventually there's a knock on her door. What? Millie snapped and slammed her book shut as if she'd been Nick snaps around 180 degrees. <laughs> what? I thought you might need a little study fuel, he said. I know chocolate always does the trick for me. And he brought in a plate of chocolate chip cookies and milk. Wow. Grandpa, that. I'm not a little kid anymore, Bruh. he said. Who doesn't like chocolate chip cookies? <laughs> you can't buy my happiness with a few cookies. Oh, okay, Grandpa said, still holding the plate. You want me to take them away then? No, Millie said quickly. <laughs> <laughs> Grandpa shook his head, smiled a little, then set the plate and glass on Millie's bedside table. I'm going to put her around in my workshop for an hour or so, girly, he said. Call me if you need anything. I won't need anything, Millie said, turning back to her algebra homework. She waited until she was sure he was gone and then devoured the cookies. <laughs> oh my god. Options of how to die, exactly, <laughs> the voice in the darkness said. You're catching on now, bright little girl. Now I'd call the first couple options the lazy choices. They don't require me to do anything, but keep you here and let nature take its course. The advantage to these is that they're easy peasy for me, but not so easy for you. Slow with lots of suffering, but who knows? They might appeal to your morbid sensibilities. Lots of opportunities for languishing. You like languishing? What do you mean, Millie asked. Whatever the answer was, she knew she wasn't going to like it. Dehydration is one option, the voice said. No water at all, you can start dying in as few as three days. Or as many as seven. You're young and healthy, so I put my money on it taking a while. Depriving the body of water has fascinating effects. With no fluids coming in the filter and flush, the kidneys shut down, and your body starts poisoning itself, making you sicker and sicker. Once these poisons have time to build up, you can suffer total organ failure, or a heart attack or stroke. But that's what death's for. So glamorous, so romantic. So handsome. <laughs> so romantic. Are you making fun of me? The voice came out of Millie was tiny and soft, the voice of a scared little girl. Not at all, my dear. I like you, Millie. And that's why I'm here to make your wishes come true. Oh my god. That sounds familiar. <laughs> that does sound familiar. I like a genie, except you're the one who's captured the bottle. The voice stopped the chuckle. Starvation is another classic, too. But that's really a slow-moving train. It takes weeks for the body to use up its stores of nutrition and break down all its proteins and turn on itself. It can take weeks. Some people have even lasted a couple months. Millie knew her grandpa would rescue her before she could starve to death. That'll never work. Grandpa comes in here to put her around after dinner every night. He'll find me. How? The voice asked. He'll hear me. I'll scream. Scream all you want, lamb chop. It's soundproof. No <laughs> one will hear you scream. And anyways... After a few days, you'll be too weak to scream. <laughs> Uh-oh. <laughs> and so we go back to winter break. <laughs> it came, Christmas trees, the usual memorial, you know. And Millie is just like, she doesn't know why they get so excited. She's all about the misery, death, you know, the usual. And as she's walking down the hall to the lunchroom, a blonde cheerleader, Millie didn't even know her name, said, I'm surprised to see you in the daylight, Dracula's daughter. The cheerleader looked over at her equally blonde friends, whom she'd been talking to more than she'd actually been talking to Millie, and they all laughed. The Dracula's daughter thing had started because she'd been carrying around a paperback copy of Bram Stoker's Dracula, and one of the jockey popular guys had said, Oh, look how sweet, she's reading a book about her dad. From then on, she'd been Dracula's daughter. 
Of course, everybody knew she was really Jeff and Audrey Fitzsimmons' daughter, which made her almost as much of a misfit as she would have been if Dracula were her real dad. The Fitzsimmons were kind of a joke in their town, famous for the tendency to start projects with great enthusiasm and then abandon them. They had bought a run-down and once-beautiful colonial house when Millie was 10 and had thrown themselves into refurbishing it. They had kept it up for about three months until they ran out of time, money, and energy. As a result, the house had a weird patchwork quality. The living room and the kitchen were repainted and had new fixtures, but the bedroom still had old peeling wallpaper and floors with squeaky boards. The most talked about thing, though, was the exterior of the house. Millie's dad had repainted the front and one side, a nice soft blue of cream trim, but the paint was expensive and painting was exhausting. And he really didn't like getting up on ladders. As a result, the front of the house was painted beautifully, but the back on the other side was still covered with old flaking white paint. Mom, I mean, Millie's mom said nobody would notice. It was like when people arranged the Christmas tree, so the ugly side faced the wall. People noticed. <laughs> people also noticed the Fitzsimmons' inability to keep a steady job. Millie's parents were always coming up with some new scheme that would finally bring them to the success of their dreams. So yeah. Her parents are absolutely insane. So Millie goes and sits down at lunch all by herself like she usually does. Mystery... And imagination is what she's reading. Oh, sorry. Tales of Mystery and Imagination. And the story that she's reading is The Fall of the House of Usher. Roderick Usher was the main character of the story and couldn't bear any noise of any kind. But then she felt herself being watched. She looked up from her work to see a lanky boy with horn rim glasses and frizzy hair that had been dyed fire engine red. Both his ears were studded with silver earrings. Millie co coveted his black leather jacket. Hi, um... He nodded at the chair across from Millie. Is anybody sitting there? Was this guy asking to sit with her? Nobody asked to sit with her. My imaginary friend, Millie said. Wait, was that a joke? She never joked with people. The boy grinned, revealing a mouthful of braces. Well, would your imaginary friend mind if I sat in her lap? <laughs> oh. Millie looked at the empty chair for a second. She said, suit yourself. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Thanks to both of you. I, I don't really know anybody yet. I'm new. Nice to meet you, new. I'm Millie. <laughs> what, was she a comedian now? My name's Dylan, actually. I just moved here from Toledo. I probably did not pronounce that correctly. He just toured the book. A Poe fan, huh? Millie nodded. Me too, Dylan said. Then he should be Lovecraft. I love all the old scary writers. I have never read Lovecraft, Millie said. I have heard of him, though. Oh, you love him. Super dark and twisty. Oh, I bet you would love him. <laughs> so, is the school as lame as it seems? Lamer, Millie said. It's like lame or whatever. <laughs> you should like Georgia or something. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, I'll tell you what, Dylan said, gesturing a french fry. So far, you're the only person I've seen here who seems cool. Thanks. I, uh, like your jacket. And I like your earrings. Thanks. They're jet, Victorian morning jewelry. I know, Dylan said. He knew? What kind of high school guy knew about Victorian morning jewelry? I have a few pieces of it, Millie said. I mostly find them on eBay. I can't afford my favorite kind, though, which is... Dylan put his hand up. Wait, don't tell me. It's the kind where they weave the hair of the dead person into the jewelry, right? Yes! Oh, Millie God. said, shocked and amazed. Those pieces show up sometimes on eBay, but they always cost a fortune. And so... dead person here. <laughs> and so the bell ends up bringing, he says... Millie, it's been a rare pleasure. Would you and your imaginary friend mind if I very much joined you two at lunch tomorrow? We wouldn't mind at all, she said. Okay. <laughs> and then we switch back to our lovely, um, bear friend. <laughs> See? I thought about freezing you to death, too, the voice said. I thought I could sort out the power in here so the space heater turns off and my metal body could get pretty cold. But I figured your grandpa would come in and notice the power is out in his precious workshop i gonna fix it right away. So, freezing to death is a no-go. Sorry if you had your, your heart set on that one, sweet pea. <laughs> Millie was shivering, not from the cold, but from fear. I, I don't understand. Why do you want to kill me? Interesting, you should ask. There are... That's an entire dolphin <laughs> you were just waiting for that word. I was. You <laughs> perfectly tied. <laughs> I, I was like, I was trying to get in the right spot. There are a couple of reasons, actually. The first is quite simple. 
that it's something to do. I sat in a salvage yard for ages before your grandpa found me and brought me here, where I've been sitting too, and bored out of my skull. Not that I have a literal skull, but you know what I mean. Aren't there other things that you could do besides killing people? Molly asked. Wherever this being was, it was obviously intelligent. Maybe she could reason with it. It. None so interesting. And plus, there's my second reason, which is that death is what you want. You've been mooning around since you moved here, talking about how you want to die. Well, I like to kill people, and you want to die. <laughs> it's a mutually beneficial relationship. <laughs> like those little birds that pick the parasites off a rhinoceros. The bird gets to eat, and the rhinoceros gets rid of the itchy little bugs. You both get what we want. Win-win. <laughs> <laughs> Millie suddenly realized that she had spoken of death, written about it, but it had always just been an interesting idea to play around with. She never intended to take any action to make it a reality. But I don't want to die. Not really. A horrible rumbling sound s surrounded Millie and shook the body of the machine that trapped her. It took her a few seconds to realize that the sound was laughter. And then we go back to... <laughs> we go back to... Uh, past time? I think it's in the past. It probably is the past. Sometime. So, she ends up actually eating dinner tonight. Oh my god. You're actually eating tonight? Oh my god! Because it's actually good, Millie said, twirling with the spaghetti on her fork. Alright, I finally found something you'd like to eat. I'll add it to my limited repertoire. I keep the sauce meatless for you, and added meatballs to mine, so everybody's happy. Herbivores and carnivores alike. Well, happy may be stretching it, Millie said. <laughs> Oh, shut. But, shut it. Spaghetti. Eat the spaghetti. But the spaghetti is good, and my day at school didn't totally stink. And what made the day less stinky than usual? <laughs> <laughs> I met someone who seems kind of cool. Really? A girl someone or a boy someone? Well, not that it matters, but it happens to be a boy. <laughs> <laughs> Don't try to turn it into some kind of love story, though. We just had a decent conversation, is all. A decent conversation is something. You, a decent conversation? <laughs> Most people your age won't look up from their phones long enough to say as much as, How do you do? Grandpa said. Bruh. Not to put the cart before the horse, but I met your grandma when I was just a little older than you are now. So what, uh, now you have me engaged to this guy I just met? Grandpa, I'm 14. Grandpa laughed. <laughs> you're right. That you're too much... Young to be engaged. Your grandma and I didn't get engaged when we were teenagers either. But we were high school sweethearts. And then we went to the same college. We got engaged our senior year of college and married in June right after we graduated. He smiled. And it all started with a good conversation at lunch. Like you had today. So you never know. Slow down, old man. <laughs> they said. Hold up. Wait a minute. <laughs> I'm just reminiscing. I wish you could have known your grandma, Millie. She was really something special, and the loser when she wasn't even 40. That's like Annabelle Lee, Millie said. There's so many dead parents in this. <laughs> like, <laughs> it's excessive. I mean, technically, Oswald had both his parents. Well, that he didn't. <laughs> <laughs> but that he did. Exactly. Sarah's dad divorced, and her parents are in Saudi Arabia. <laughs> oh my god. The Pope home? <laughs> Grandpa asked. It was many and many a year ago in the kingdom by the sea. Yes, I guess it was something like that. You know the poem? Millie asked. It was weird to hear him recite one of her favorite poems. Believe it or not, I'm a pretty literal old dude. I like Poe and a lot of other writers too. I know you like Poe because he's dark and spooky. Righteous man. <laughs> and it's easy to romanticize death when you're young and so far away. But Poe didn't write about death because he thought it was romantic. He wrote it because a lot of he lost so many people he loved. You never experienced that kind of loss, Millie. It it changes you. He blinked hard. You know, for years after she died, friends were always trying to fix me up with another woman, but it never worked. She was the only one for me. And so the silently eats dinner until you know he starts speaking again. Until she starts speaking again, I mean. That must have been hard losing Grandma. Grandpa nodded. Grandma got ran over by a reindeer. Okay, alright, I'll here. It was. I still miss her every day. <laughs> oh, God. Well, thanks for dinner. I guess I better get started on my, my homework. Homework. Without being asked, this is certainly a special day. Grandpa said, smiling. In a room, Millie didn't think of death. She thought of Dylan. 
And she thought about what Grandpa had said about Grandma. And then we go back to the bear. Okay. Silly Millie, for someone who doesn't want to die, you sure spend a lot of time thinking about it. But that's the way of things, isn't it? Talk is easier than action. I think, Millie said sniffling, that's when I said I wanted to die, but what I really wanted was an escape. I, I didn't want death, I just wanted my life to be different. Oh! But that really takes action, doesn't it? <laughs> oh, so good. So in that case, I'll let you go. <laughs> Changing a life for the better, especially when the world is such a mean, rotten place, is much easier and all timely, much more satisfying just to snuff it out. Which brings me to my second set of options, much more interesting ones. These are quick and easy for you, for the most part, but they require a little bit more effort from me. I'm not complaining, though. There's nothing I like more than a good challenge to relieve my boredom. Say, you like Dracula, don't you? Uh-oh. <laughs> Hold on. Why? Are you going to bite my neck? Now how would I do that with you with my belly, silly girl? I know that you're a Dracula fan. The kids at school call you Dracula's daughter, don't they? Well... What you might not know is that the character of Dracula was inspired by a real person. A prince named Vlad Dracula. And he's better known by his nickname, Vlad the Impaler. Oh. Vlad killed thousands of his enemies, but his crowning achievement was creating a force of the impaled. Where thousands of his victims, men, women, and children were skewered through stakes, driven into the ground. Now, I'm no prince, and I can't spice that level of achievement, but... One little old impaling can't be that hard, can it? I can just take one of my metal rods and drive it straight through my body cavity. It'll go straight through you and out the other side. If the spike goes through your vital organs, death comes quickly. If it doesn't, there can be some hours of bleeding and suffering. The people who walked through the forest of the impaled talked about the moaning and gasping of the victims. So, impaling. One may say that other options of death impale in conversation. <laughs> the voice of Tom was cheery. It can either work quickly or slowly, but the result is the same in the end. Like I said, win-win. Destiny still arrives. No, Millie whispered. <laughs> <laughs> no. She wanted her mom and dad. She wanted her grandpa. They would help her if they only knew. She'd even settle for a goofy Uncle Rob and Aunt Sherry as long as they would come to her rescue. She would even put on a Christmas sweater if it made them happy. And then Millie, of course, sits at the lunch table as we flash back to the past. And she says, hey, to Dylan when Dylan arrives. And so he's like, H.P. Lovecraft, I was telling you about him yesterday. I remember, Millie said, taking the book that he's giving her. The call Cthulhu and other stories? Did I say that right? Cthulhu? Who knows, Dylan said. H.P. Lovecraft made it up and he's dead, so we can't ask him. You keep the book. I got a copy in hardcover for my birthday. My parents are cool. They don't mind if I like weird stuff. Thanks. She felt a creeping smile on her. She slipped the book into her bag. She would certainly read the book. But it wasn't the book itself that was making her feel smiley. It was that Dylan had thought of her. <laughs> yeah. And after dinner, she goes in and starts reading H.P. Lovecraft. And she begins to write a poem after she finishes a couple of stories. Oh. Mm-hmm. You clipped away the black thorny vines that twist around my wounded heart, so it could beat and feel relief from the pain. You are the gardener who wakes the plants from the gray, chilly death of winter, so that they can blossom again like my heart, a slow, blooming, blooded red rose. She read the poem back to herself and sighed with satisfaction. Her mood only darkened slightly when she set her journal aside to start on her homework. So, then we go back to our lovely bear friend. <laughs> Anywho. Anyway. No pity. I was thinking paling has a certain dramatic flair. I could just imagine flipping it. Dramatic flair. Perhaps something with a little more zing. Electrocution is always an effective option. Did you know the idea of an electric chair was developed in the 1800s by a dentist named Alfred P. Southwick? He came up with the idea of an electric chair based on his dental chair. That's not exactly comforting to people with dental phobias now, is it? <laughs> I don't have a chair to strap you into, but I do have a power I do have a power cord to shoot a series of long electrical currents through my body cavity. If the current zaps your heart or brain, you'll die quickly. If it doesn't, you have some nasty burns, and your heart will go into liberation. Which will generally kill you if you don't have help. And I think we've already established that you don't have anyone here to help you. <laughs> 
So what do you think, Cupcake? Electrocution? You'd be shocked at how effective it is in an electrifyingly good time. I <laughs> chuckle. Millie had once experienced a shock unplugging a hairdryer from a wall socket in a badly wired hotel room. She had felt the electricity tear painfully up her arm and for a few months was out of breath as if someone had punched her in the stomach. A good time for you, but not for me, she said. <laughs> and back inside. <laughs> On Saturday afternoon. <laughs> Millie goes to the downtown library. A beautiful way to spend the Saturday afternoon for her. Good things always happen on Saturday afternoons. <laughs> yes, I know, right? <laughs> and then all of a sudden she hears a voice from behind her. Hey. <laughs> I didn't mean to startle you, said Dylan. Hey, did you read that Livecroft book? Yes, I loved it. It was kind of hoping they'd have more stuff by him here. Hmm, Dylan said. I bet I can pick something else you like. Give me a second. And then he picks up. The Lottery and Other Stories by Shirley Jackson. You remember The Lottery from school? Uh, oh, yeah. <laughs> yep, you'll love her. It's the perfect book to continue your classic horror pursuits. Hey, he said. I was reading at that table over there until I saw you. If you want to sit there and read too, you can. Okay. <laughs> Millie worked hard not to show how happy this invitation made her. I got to admit, I've got an ulterior motive inviting you. I want to see the look on your face once you finish reading the first short story in that book. She read the lottery with a growing feeling of suspense, and when she got the ending, Dylan laughed. You're reading with your mouth hanging open. It's the ultimate surprise ending, isn't it, right? Isn't it surprising? It really is. Say, I was thinking that after I check out my books, I might have a cup of tea at the cafe next door. Would you like to do that too? I mean, you don't have to drink tea, because I do. You can have coffee or hot chocolate. Tea sounds nice, Millie said. <laughs> spot of tea? A spot of tea, eh? Hey, hey, brother. So yeah, they have that. And then Dylan says, you should totally dress in a goth librarian style. <laughs> okay, then. And they said it'd scare the living daylights out of people in the library. <laughs> like that. <laughs> uh, and so they're getting closer to Christmas. And she ends up talking with, um, you know, Dylan about a holiday bazaar at the school that night. Parents still in Saudi Arabia. <laughs> and so, Millie, when she goes home, she's like the grandpa, hey, you know, I want to go to a school ball. And he's like, really? <laughs> Are you sure about that? For the first time in forever. <laughs> We'll leave about an hour. Maybe you could wear something besides black. Something, you know, a little more festive. Don't push it, Grandpa. <laughs> Don't push your luck in. <laughs> exactly. And so, when she gets there, she finds Dylan. He's standing in front of a booth selling reindeer Christmas ornaments made from candy cane. Candy canes. Candy cranes. <laughs> candy cranes. <laughs> but he wasn't alone. He was with Brooke Harrison. A blandly pretty blonde girl who was in Millie's U.S. government class. Dylan and Brooke were holding hands and laughing about some private joke in a very couplish way. Millie bit her lip to keep from gasping. She <laughs> turned around and ran through the hall down the stairs. She had to find Grandpa. She had to get it out of here. Where's the fire, Dracula's daughter? Some random kid asked her. She didn't even bother the process who it was. Trans with the cafeteria, scanning the crowd for Grandpa's ugly Christmas sweater. Unfortunately, a lot of people were wearing ugly Christmas sweaters. She finally found Grandpa next to the drinks. Sipping coffee and chatting over a couple of older men. We have to go, Millie hissed at him. Grandpa landed his brown concern. Are you sick or something? No, I just have to go. Okay, honey. He gave the older guys a look that seemed to say, they're so emotional at this age, and then said, <laughs> See you later, fellas. Merry Christmas. In the car, Grandpa said, What's the matter, honey? Did someone at school say did that hurt your feelings? Nobody at school said anything to me because nobody at school ever says anything to me. Nobody at this school cares whether I live or die. I can remember feeling that way when I was your age. I wouldn't go back to being 14 for anything. Not even of all the years I'd get back. <laughs> the tears weren't stopping. Miller looked out the window and tried to ignore Grandpa. He couldn't possibly understand. <laughs> Millie wasn't afraid of death. Right now, death felt like her only friend. Are you sure about that? My! Oh, Certainly, my are we? Aren't we? 
the voice said. For somebody who wants the end result, we're awfully fussy about how to achieve it. But there are lots more options. I feel like a waiter taking my... Talking my way to the menu at a fancy restaurant. <laughs> the difference, of course, is that one menu gets you fed, the other menu gets you dead. Low rumbling laughter. Oh, I crack myself up. Hmm. Since I was talking about food, how about boiling? Did you know that Henry VIII made boiling alive the official form of punishment during his reign? Funny they, that they call it boiling alive because goodness knows you don't stay alive for very long. <laughs> I could easily flood my insides of water, then use my energy stores to bring the temperature up, up, up. First it'd feel like a nice warm bath, but then it would just keep getting hotter and hotter and hotter. <laughs> I wonder if you'd turn red like a lobster. Maybe <laughs> <laughs> that feel that fix your pale complexion. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. Uh, so back to the past. So he's walking in the cafeteria, and then Dylan sits down across from her. When uh, after she sits down, she he goes, "Hey, <laughs> how can you just sit across from me like that?" Millie said. He's so casual, opening up his ketchup packets and creating a little red puddle on his plate, just like he always. Just like clapping it in his what hands. Dylan said, looking lost. I sit here every day. I think you'd want to sit with Brooke. Brooke has a different lunch period than me. He obviously dipped a nugget into his ketchup puddle and popped it in his mouth. Dino Nuggies. <laughs> Master Chief, what are you doing in the cafeteria? Sir, Dino, Dino Nuggies. <laughs> so, I'm what? Your backup? Her understudy? Huh? Dylan rubs his face like he was tired. I'm sorry, Millie. I am trying to keep up. I really am, but you're not making any sense. <laughs> Dylan, I saw you with her at the bazaar last night. Yeah? Yeah. So? <laughs> so? You were holding hands. You were clearly together! Yeah? So? so? <laughs> Wait, Millie, did you think you and I were... Dating? <laughs> Millie swallowed hard and told herself not to cry. You noticed me! You brought me a book! You took me out for tea! Of course I thought we might in the future! Date, I mean! Wow! <laughs> Dylan says. <laughs> I would G, uh. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry if I misled you, I mean... You're really great and really pretty and everything, but I never meant to make you think we were anything more than friends. Haven't you ever had a friend who's a boy, but who's not, you know, a boyfriend? Hannah had been Millie's only friend, but then she had abandoned her. There was no way Millie was sharing this fact with Dylan. Of course I have, but Dylan, you told me I was the only cool person you met at this school. I did, but that was my first day. I've met other cool people since then. Like Brooke? Millie's voice dripped with sarcasm. What, you don't approve of book? <laughs> yeah. what, you don't approve a book. <laughs> <laughs> what you don't approve a book? Scott, Scott, I'm reading this. What you don't approve a book? <laughs> She's blonde and basic, Millie said. No need to mince the words. The truth was the truth. Have you ever had a conversation with her? Dylan asked. Do you even know what she's like? Had Millie ever had heard anything? Brooke say anything to her? She was quiet in U.S. government class. Millie assumed because she had nothing interesting or important to say. I never talk to her. I just I don't talk to anyone. Dylan shook his head. Well, Brooke just isn't, isn't just anyone. She's smart and well read and nice. She wants to be a veterinarian. Why does it matter what color her hair is? Dylan looked at her. Millie, I'm disappointed in you. You of all people, with your black wardrobe and black eyeliner and black nail polish, it seems like you know better than to judge a person based on their appearance. You don't like when people do it to you, and yet you're guilty of the very same crime. I'm pretty sure that's called hypocrisy. He stood up. I think this conversation's over. As the winter holidays approached, Millie's mood became grimmer and grimmer. I mean, she kind of brought it on herself there. I know, right? Just because someone gives you some tea and gives you a book doesn't mean they're your boyfriend. <laughs> it's like, ah, yes! We're going to be together forever! <laughs> Until death do us part. Until death do us part because of the book. The children love the books! <laughs> uh, you don't approve of a book? Are you not a book? No book? So, are you excited that tomorrow's the last day before winter break? Not really, Millie said. Listen, I've been meaning to tell you I'm not celebrating Christmas this year. Oh, bro. You what? Not celebrating Christmas? But why ever not? I used, I refuse to pretend to be happy on some particular day just because society tells me that I'm supposed to be. 
It's not society. It's anarchy. <laughs> it's not about society. It's about family. It's about getting together and enjoying each other's company. Like Christmas Eve, your aunt and uncle and cousins are coming over. And your mom and dad are going to Skype in so they can be a part of things. We'll have a big dinner and exchange gifts. And then we'll have hot chocolate and cookies and play board games. I'll be here because I don't have any place to go, but I refuse to participate in the festivities. Is that a fact? He pushed his plate away. It's a promise. <laughs> Listen, Millie, you've never been a particularly cheerful child. Heaven knows you're the fussiest baby I've ever seen. And when you were a toddler, your temper tantrums were legendary. <laughs> but I feel like you're especially unhappy here with me now, and I'm genuinely sorry for that. I'm an old man, I'm no expert in what young girls like, but I've tried to make things as nice for you as I can. Maybe it would have been better if you had chosen the boo abroad of your mom and dad. I know it must be hard so far away from them. I don't miss my parents, Millie shouted. But even as she said it, she wasn't sure if it was true. Sure, they made her crazy sometimes when they were together, but it was weird having them so far away and skipping with them on Sunday nights wasn't nearly enough to make up for their absence from everyday life. Okay, uh, maybe you don't. But something's been eating you lately. Maybe a problem at school, or a falling out of a friend? I'm not saying I could help, but sometimes it helps to just have someone to listen. I told you, I don't have any friends, Millie said. Well, maybe you should try to make one. Well, she could have had one if it, did, if it just didn't mess it up. She, her response could have been like, okay, cool. We can still be friends. No. <laughs> you don't have to be a social butterfly if you don't want to, but everybody needs one good friend. You don't know what I need. Miller stood up from the table. I'm going to do my homework. I'm going to be productive. I'll show you what for. And I'm going to go to my workshop. You're not the only one who can storm out of a room you know, girly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Millie opened her laptop, went to YouTube, and typed in Kirk on music videos. Then clicked on Death Mask, her favorite song, only to get an ad by Ray Shadow Legends. <laughs> <laughs> Wonderful. <laughs> Please, please don't boil me alive, Millie said. We're back to the bear. Yeah. <laughs> that's that's right Shadow Legends. <laughs> Not boiling. Well, understandable. Maybe you should just subscribe for a police subscription pass at RangeShadowLegends.com. Oh my god, no. <laughs> Not Rayshad, no, you can't escape it. <laughs> By all accounts, it has it's a nasty way to go. People who who observe boilings during Henry VIII's time said it was sickening. They would have preferred to see a beheading. Oh, there's a good one we haven't talked about yet. Decapitation. No, 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 no. It's it's uh, music torture. Japanese music torture. It's the Rain Shadow Legends ad over and this over again. This is the song that does it. It's it on and on, my friend. <laughs> there are many ways to chop one head off, of course. And if the blade is sharp enough, it's fairly quick and painless. That being said, the blade isn't sharp enough. Well, poor Mary, Queen of Scots, had to get three hacks with the headsman's dull old axe before her noggin was liberated from her body. The guillotine was quick and clean though, and didn't require any particular skill on the part of the executioner, which would be an easy way to get rid of all those rich snots during the French Revolution. <laughs> they just lined them all up, ran them through the guillotine like an assembly line, or rather, a disassembly line. <laughs> <laughs> the voice paused to chuckle. Whatever it was seemed to be having a good, very good time at Miller's expense. Saudi Arabia, were your parents there? Am I right? Still used to be heading as your preferred form of capital punishment. They use a sword, or I rather find stylish and dramatic. Saudi Arabia, Millie thought. Her parents were so far away, unable to help her now. She had always wanted to be loved and safe, and that's what they made her feel. Millie wanted to be safe. <laughs> <laughs> that's a nice kid. I want to go. <laughs> that's a nice kid. Anywho, anyway, this is the worst ways to kill you. Millie, at least come downstairs and say hello. Grandpa called up the stairs. It was Christmas Eve, and Grandpa had been blasting Christmas music all day long. Here comes Santa Claus. Here comes Santa Claus. Santa Claus late. Mixing, gifting of all his children a sword with his sleigh. If you wanna be heading, you should just ask fun time Freddy. Cause if you say that you don't want it, well then you better become ready. Oh my god. <laughs> Beautiful. Everybody's wearing Christmas sweaters, and Aunt Sherry says, Merry Christmas. 
Emily did not move toward her. Hello. She said, her voice dripping Isaac Hughes. Like, hello, or whatever. <laughs> Off to your funeral, Millie, Uncle Rob said. I wish. <laughs> I God. And then all of a sudden, Winter Wonderland comes on again. <laughs> Walk in with <laughs> Millie isn't celebrating Christmas this year. Oh, wait, sorry. Millie isn't celebrating Christmas this year, but at least she's agreed to grace us with her presence. How can you not celebrate Christmas? Caden said, looking up at Millie with big, innocent blue eyes. Christmas is awesome! <laughs> Christmas is radical, bro! <laughs> yeah, man! And the presents are awesome, Cameron said, pumping his fist at excitement. Oh, yeah! <laughs> Our culture is already too materialistic, Millie said. Why do you want more stuff? Because <laughs> opening wrapper makes monkey brain go ooh. <laughs> <laughs> Her aunt and uncle and cousins all looked uncomfortable. Good. Somebody is filming to tell the truth. Sherry plastered a smile on her face. Millie, won't you at least have a cup of eggnog? Drinking eggnog is like drinking phlegm. No. It's, no. <laughs> ew. No. It's not like that at all. What's phlegm? Hayden asked. It's that gross, slimy stuff in your throat and nose when you have a cold, Aunt Sherry said. Can't raise his cup. Yum! Eggsnot! Pumps his face! Oh, great. Yeah! <laughs> No, I couldn't take it. I'm going for a walk. Can we come too? Hayden asked. No. No. <laughs> Can we come too? No. <laughs> well, don't stray too far. We're eating dinner in an hour. Millie headed out the door. Grandpa called for her to remember her coat, but she ignored him. <sighs> Hypocrisy, she thought again. Dylan had said Dylan had said that she was a hypocrite because she judged Brooke by her appearance. But boys, even boys who seemed cool like Dylan were fooled by appearances. If a conventionally pretty blonde girl paid any attention to them, they'd think she was a saint and a genius ruled into one. No way Millie was a hypocrite. She was a truth teller, and if someone couldn't handle the truth, that was their problem. Right. Yeah, yeah. It's almost right. like what she just said was also hypocritic. <laughs> almost. Almost as And it. so, she heads into her grandpa's workshop. And she looks around and stuff. Grandpa. There's a bunch of stuff. Coins, bicycles, jack-in-the-boxes things. But the strangest item among the many was tucked into one corner of the workshop. It was some kind of mechanical bear. Again, why did he grab that? <laughs> what are you... No this... one would take these things. He said he got it from a junkyard, so it's just like the same junkyard. No, it's the same like junkyard. <laughs> Bro, it sells animatronics for free. God. It comes with one murder for book. <laughs> comes with free murder. Free murder. Free murder any time after 10. Except <laughs> after 10. And so, it had a bow tie, a top hat, and a creepy blank grin. It looked like it had once been white and pink, but years of neglect had left it a dingy grave. It was big. Big enough for a person to climb into its body cavity. What would be the first thing you would think of? <laughs> <laughs> like in those science fiction movies where people drove giant robots. Why had little kids ever liked things that were nightmare-inducing? <laughs> From outside the workshop, Millie heard laughter and yelling. Hayden and Cameron playing in the backyard. She hadn't thought to lock the workshop door from the inside. Or if they tried to come in. Millie couldn't let them find her. They'd go tell the adults, and then she'd be dragged to the, into the house and sentenced to mandatory celebration. Millie found herself staring at the old animatronic bear. Mmm. She opened the door to the mechanical bear's body cavity and crawled inside. Mmm. And shut the door behind her. Mmm. Why would you do- Darkness enveloped her. It was so much better than those annoying, twinkly lights and garnish bright- Christmas sweaters. This is perfect. You better change your mind real fast, girl. No one would find her in here. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, she's right. She could go back to the house and she shared Uncle Rob and Aunt Sherry's car pulling out of the driveway. Sort of she missed Skyping with her parents. It served them right for being so far away from her on Christmas. Kids, it's time for dinner! Grandpa called out the back door. Millie, you come in too if you can hear me. It smells great in here, Cameron said. Well, that's because I cooked for you a feast. Ham and sweet potatoes and rolls and your mom's green bean casserole. You boys didn't happen to see Millie out there, didn't you? Nope, didn't see her, Hayden said. Grandpa, why is she so weird? Grandpa chuckled. She's 14. You'll be weird when you're 14 too. Now go wash your hands before we sit down to eat. And so they start eating and stuff. And they start dishing out the food without her. I don't have a sword like Saudi Arabian executioner, silly Millie. But I do have a sharpshooter metal I could pass the chamber. It could pass the level of your throat, 
or can hit your lower and bisect you. And bisection is sure a way to go. Either way, the job will get done. I think it'd be a smooth, like, uh, Madame Guillotine instead of a slow, dull hacking like Mary, Queen of Scots, experienced. But I'm not 100% sure. This will be my first attempt at decapitation. Yours too! But it will be <laughs> your last. <laughs> As the boys laughed at his latest witticism, Millie pushed in the walls of the chamber that trapped her. They didn't budge, but then she saw a tiny crack of light shining through the side of the door. Maybe if she could slip something, a tool of some sort, into that crack, she could somehow pry the door open? But what could she use as a tool? She surveyed... She took a mental survey of her jewelry. Her earrings were too small and breakable, and her necklace was an unhelpful string of beads. Millie? The voice said. Are you still with me? A decision must be made. Millie thought. She lowered her head and curled up into a ball when the blade shot through. It'll miss her. She'd have to be quick, though. Then make sure she got her whole head out of the way, or else she'd be scalped. If the blade came through lower to bisect her, she'd really have to flatten out in the bottom of the small space. Is there any chance you would just let me go? She asked. Anything I'd give you in exchange for my life? Lamb chop, there's nothing I want from you except your life. <laughs> Billy took a deep breath. Hey, decapitation it is. Really? <laughs> the voice sounded tremendously pleased. Good choice, it's a classic. I promise you won't be disappointed. You won't be disappointed because you'll be dead. <laughs> Tell me when... Oh, here we go. Tell me when you're about to do it, okay? Just don't spring it on me. Fair enough, I suppose. It's not like you're going anywhere. Give me a few minutes to get ready. You know what they say. Prior preparation prevents poor performance. <laughs> the chamber shook and rattled. Then the animatronic's eyes rolled back outward away from the chamber. Millie waited, her heart pounding. Why had she ever wished for death? No matter how hard life could be, how depressing or disappointing, she wanted to live. If nothing else, she wanted a chance to apologize to Dylan for what she said about Brooke. So they could be friends again. She curled into a tiny ball as she could, tucking her head under her arms. She hoped harder than she had ever hoped for anything, that she was low enough to miss the blade. Malescent Fitzsimmons, you are hereby sentenced to die for crimes of humanity. Wait, Millie's <laughs> asked. What does crimes of humanity mean? You, the voice said, have been rude and quick to anger. You have rushed judgment of others. You've been insignificant. You've been insufficiently great to those who have shown you nothing but love and kindness. The voice is right. Different incidences of her own rudeness and ingratitude played in her head like scenes from a movie she didn't want to see. Guilty as charged, Millie said. But why are those crimes I have to die for? Those are crimes that everybody's guilty of time, time, time to time. True, the voice said. That's why they're crimes of humanity. But if there's something all humans are guilty of, then why do I have to die for them? The voice didn't answer, and Millie felt a small tingle of hope. Maybe she would take her chances by curling up on the floor of the cavity. Maybe she could talk herself out of this one. Because, the voice said, you're the one who crawled into my belly. <laughs> Whimpering, Millie. Why, why would you do that? <laughs> I guess tiny space. Giant, eight foot tall robot. Sure. <laughs> In the spirit of that French Revolution, the voice said, I will now do a countdown in French before releasing the blade. Ooh. Noise. Choice. Quick as a shot, the blade sliced through the chamber. Grandpa brought out a plate of sugar cookies and set them on the coffee table. <laughs> I'll be right back with hot chocolate, he said. In the kitchen, he finally broke down and called Millie's cell number. Her phone rang from the pocket of her jacket, which was hanging on the coat rack in, in the hall. Oh well, she'd have to come back when she felt she'd prove her point. Grandpa poured five cups of hot chocolate and topped them with a generous handful of mini marshmallows. He carried his steaming cups on a tray into the living room. Who's ready for presents? He called. I am. I am, hated shouting even louder, pumping his friend. <laughs> Do you think we should wait for Millie? Sherry asked. She's not celebrating Christmas, remember? Rob said. Why should we wait for her if she decided to be a brat? Grandpa didn't like the word brat being used to describe Millie. She wasn't a bad kid, she was at a difficult age. She would come around. He crouched on the Christmas tree and arranged all her presents in a big pile so they'd be ready for her well, when she came back. Oh. The end. Oh, she came back? No, and he said. He arranged all the presents in a big pile so they'd be ready 
so they'd be right there for her when she came back. Oh. I don't think she's coming back. Yeah. <laughs> well, that was Count the Ways. Initial thoughts and uh, reading on the story. <laughs> the moral of the story, don't be a goth girl. <laughs> sure. Don't crawl in giant eight. Don't crawl in giant robots. <laughs> don't. don't don't crawl into mechanical spaces where you shouldn't be. That's, uh, that's the moral of the story. But why why couldn't you just make it like a tent out of your blanket sheets like a normal person? <laughs> yeah, crawl into a metal robot. <laughs> uh, I'm so goth, I'm gonna go this <laughs> robot. <laughs> Tense for babies. This was a genius idea. <laughs> IQ 100. Oh my god. This is 500 well, at least IQ. they used something to describe the stupidity. 14 <laughs> years old. Apparently everyone's that stupid at 14 years old. I don't recall being that stupid at 14 years old. But I know. Well, I, know. <laughs> I know I wouldn't have thought of that thing. Oh my god. Uh, what's your rating? I don't... Oh my god. So... <laughs> Into the Pit was something. Into the Pit had, like... It, it wasn't so, so stupid as in, like, he, he wasn't as stupid as whatever. It was just a ball pit. And then the second one was... Was was the lady wanting to be beautiful and completely ignoring literally every sign. So I think it's a little bit in between the 6.9 and the 4.5. So let's give it a... Uh, the, the 5 point... Uh, yeah... yeah, yeah. Okay. Perfect. So now we move on to the end credit story. It's basically like uh, the Avengers end credit story. <laughs> oh no. Fine. I'll do it myself. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> Propping his foot up on an open drawer, Detective Larson leaned back in his wooden desk chair, a typical creak. The bullpen was crammed to 12 desks, double that number of chairs. The coffee maker spewed out abysmal coffee, but it made a musical hissing sound. It sounded like the Ride of the Valkyries. Dun, 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 dun. <laughs> Can you just imagine a coffee machine making that noise? <laughs> I want my coffee machine to do that. <laughs> <laughs> the coffee's getting ready. It, it shoots out the coffee to the beat. Mm. The spring coffee everywhere. <laughs> he wasn't in a hurry to get back to his empty apartment. Ever since his wife Angela left him, filed for divorce, and embarked on a mission to be sure she saw their seven-year-old son. It reminds us Karen took the kids home. <laughs> <laughs> Larson didn't see a point of getting home. Ryan smelled like pickles and had the ugliest carpet ever. Pickle. Mm. He told himself if he stayed late and catch up on reports, but really he was just sitting there feeling sorry for himself. <sighs> I'll be, I'll be home in time to throw the ball to Ryan turn into sorry I got a new case and then I'll take you camping this weekend turn into sorry the chief called me in he's your son Everett Angela kept saying to him before she left he's not an afterthought he should be your reason for being not something you get around to someday Angela just didn't understand he'd love this son of course but this job wasn't just a job yep he was definitely feeling sorry for himself not the best use of his time <sighs> He looks down at the beige walls, flickering fluorescent lights, scuffed gray aluminum floor, all that furniture in perpetual disarray. Were detectives so love were so lowly that they deserve such surroundings, or were they just too darn busy to do anything about it? There's my favorite sucker. Lawson suppressed a groan. That's what he got for not going home. Chief, he said. <laughs> Chief Monahan. <laughs> I do gotta say. It's me, sir. <laughs> Chief Monahan wended his way through the empty desk, wrinkling his nose when he passed Detective Powell's monument to Salbury. What is that stench? The chief looked at Sir, dill pickle. <laughs> <laughs> don't know, don't want to know. From where Larson sat, the office smelled like disinfectant. His partner, Detective Roberts, whose desk faced Larson's tidy domain, sprayed the stuff incessantly to mask whatever it was seen to have died in Powell's desk. <laughs> The chief tossed down an envelope onto Larson's smudge green desk blotter. It landed next to the row of freshly sharpened pencils Larson outlined for the evening's drudgery. The stitch wraith, the chief said. No one else wants it. I don't want it. So. What <laughs> <laughs> kid? Uh, good. Larson had to. He did not want to see what was in the envelope. 
a bonus. You should take it. The situation is an urban legend, Larson protested, still not touching the envelope, which lay like a big slug next to him. Not anymore. You heard the latest? Larson sighed. How could you not? It was all over the news, and the public was demanding answers. A local teen, Sarah something, disappeared a week before. Oh, yeah. And the detectives assigned to the case, not Larson, who gave thanks for small favors, had several dozen eyewitnesses who claimed the girl turned into garbage right before their eyes. Now, admittedly, the eyewitnesses were public school kids, not always the most stellar purveyors of the truth, but in this case, their stories had a ring of authenticity, in spite of the outlandish content. I heard, Larson admitted. Can't make heads or tails of it, I know. But this morning, we had most of the witnesses back in to see the psychologist. The shrinks confirm the witnesses believe what they're saying. Same goes for the people who see the stitch wraith. Larson rolled his eyes in a deep voice. A strange cloak figure roaming the streaks. He returned to his normal and remarkable voice. Did I go to sleep and wake up in a horror flick? The chief snorted, and then indicated the envelope with a shift of his square jaw. You haven't heard the best part. Open it. <laughs> he had no interest in the stick, Rafe, but he pulled it open. Like the school kids' reports, these witnesses' testimonies all sounded similar, though they still had enough detail to diminish the possibility of a hoax. The stitch Rafe witnesses said was a shrouded figure and some sort of dark cloak caper hooded cloaked they had a lurching walk a complete disinterest in others unless bothered and an obsession of dumpsters and trash bins it was usually seen dragging garbage bags full of no one knew what he had heard all this before he and most of his fellow detectives had dismissed it as a bunk larson flipped through the next few sheets in the envelope they're all suspicious death reports larson flipped through the stack five five withered bodies with he looked down and read this from the top of the stack. Eyes that bled black down the sides of their face? More of that? The manner of death wasn't new to Larson, unfortunately, but he'd known for one victim, but he had only known of one victim. And you didn't know it had anything to do with the stitch wraith. Chief Monahan shrugged. Larson read more carefully. Two of the dead men found had impressive criminal histories. Larson recognized one of the guys. He called him for an assault a few years back. He separated the two reports and tapped them. I bet the two tried to mug the guy. I agree, the chief said. Look at all those. Larson flipped through the photos taken from the security cameras. <laughs> security camera. <laughs> what the heck is it doing? The figure was pulling out different parts from the dumpster. One of it was a mannequin's torso. The chief didn't answer. Larson kept looking through the photos. He stopped again. From under the hood of what appeared, Looked like maybe a long trench coat, a bulky white face peered out at the night. Larson stiffened so he wouldn't recoil. He dropped. He tried. He wanted to drop the fo the photo, but and get it far away from his desk as he could. But he he didn't do that. He just stared at the strange visage and concentrated on breathing normally. He wasn't going to let the craziness of fatal him, you know, rattle him. The face wasn't a face, not a human face anyway. Maybe it was a damaged human face and bandages. Maybe it looked more like a mask. The mask was round, and its features were drawn onto the curved white surface, done in thick black marker. The black features looked like a child had made them. Larson deliberately relaxed his shoulders, which he realized had been creeping toward his ear. It's just a stupid mask, he told himself. Larson looked at Chief Monahan. A mask? Your guess is as good as mine. Larson looked at the face. It had dark eyes, one of which looked black in, and a terrifying mouth with a missing tooth and something stuck between the remaining front teeth. Were those bloodstains around its mouth? We got a match on it. Chief pressed his thin lips together and what could have been a smile. He liked dropping bombshells. A match on what? This? Larson pointed at the blurred and bizarre face. The chief nodded. You're not going to believe where we got it from. And that is the end of Into the Pit. We got it from Saudi Arabia. <laughs> Saudi Arabia is where it's at, boys. Isn't that Russian accent? It is. Look at me, I'm in Saudi Arabia. <laughs> Look uh, at me, I am the Saudi Arabia. Uh, did I end up in Saudi Arabia? The, the vodka, I mean the sand on the camels. <laughs> I milked the camel with my two front teeth. <laughs> so yes, that was Into the Pit. Overall, what would you rate the book? Uh, overall, uh, like, 4.8. It was a little sad. You're not very generous in here. No. <laughs> I mean, out of the three swords, two people died. Yeah. Yeah. That's sad. The only one who had the general smarts um, survived. Because the rabbit hung itself like a yeah. freaking idiot. <laughs> <laughs> freaking moron. 
<laughs> fucking raw. <laughs> fucking raw. <laughs> it's fucking rancid. So yes, we've learned so many morals of the story. What are your favorite morals? My favorite moral is don't climb into a freaking eight foot tall rabbit. Also, don't go into a dusty ball pit that hasn't been used for several decades. It was sticky balls. Sticky balls. <laughs> don't touch the sticky balls. And don't drag out metal woman from car. Oh yeah, that too. <laughs> oh my god. Uh, don't don't stroll in a in a in a junkyard at night. Apparently, just don't go near any junkyard, because apparently that's where yeah. robot creatures that want to kill you or take your body parts just live. <laughs> apparently. Uh, don't, and don't, don't let robots steal your liver. The sad thing is that it could have just been from the same junkyard, because locations aren't exactly said. <laughs> it could have been. And all three of these stories take place in modern times, because they all mention laptops and phones and yeah. YouTube. So. <laughs> YouTube is a sponsor of this book. Yeah, YouTube is definitely a sponsor of this book. <laughs> It stops nods to the YouTubers. Apparently. <laughs> uh, I know one of the book's names that we'll get onto like much later on has Matthew as a name in there. And we all know Matt Pat. So. Yeah. <laughs> There's a little pat on the shoulder. Get it? <laughs> pat, pat, Matt, Pat. <laughs> oh, you're so funny. You know who's funny? Fun Time Friday's funny. He's hilarious. Decapitation. <laughs> <laughs> no breathing. No breathing. <laughs> So if I can boil you alive, law. <laughs> <laughs> can you just imagine that in the back of a car, just his face? Boil you alive, law. <laughs> Decapitation. <laughs> no breathing. <laughs> just put bear in the back. Oh my god. Well, that does it for Into the Pit. It was absolutely wonderful. I think my friend had a great time. I want to sneeze, but I can't. <laughs> I think my friend had a great time. It has something to do with the dusty balls. You had, a, you had a great time, right? Uh, no. Yes. I mean, yes. <laughs> okay, so the next book is Fetch, Lonely Freddy. I hate that dog. I don't like that dog. That dog's scary. We'll get them beat the dog. No, not the dog. <laughs> butter dog. Dog with the butter on. Butter dog. Dog go bark. Dog <laughs> go wolf. Wolf. <laughs> dog wants to know your location. <laughs> <laughs> don't you dare bark. Okay, so that's it. Thank you. I am the Reaper 33. This is my friend. And we'll see you again next time on Fetch, in which we'll meet the dog. Bark. <laughs> <laughs>